Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I began a two-part series as we're teaching the book of 1 Thessalonians verse by verse. And the first one, again, was answers to the second coming of Christ. And I'd like to just take a moment, because we have so many guests that are with us, that you might have missed some of that. So let me give you the mountain peaks of that message before we launch into this new material for today. There are just four words. If I could give you these four words, and if you remember these four words, it would give you a good step forward in understanding about the Lord coming back again. Now, to do that, I have to set it up in a little bit of a timeline. So if you would look up here, and let's pretend I had a gigantic whiteboard up here. And it would be a timeline. And those of you students that are here, you know what a timeline is. You start out with here with certain events, and you end up over on the other side with other events. So you can kind of see how things are happening. Well, you have eternity beginning, which happened before the earth was created by God. And so you had the earth being created, man was created. You know that in the garden, Adam and Eve fell, and that brought the moral ruin of the human race. A lot of events happen, but as soon as man fell and Satan himself was judged on his first elementary judgment there, the Lord said that he is going to be coming back again and that sin would be paid for. So all of the people in the Old Testament was looking forward to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ himself who had come to this earth. And so some of them, they wrote about him coming a first time. Some of those prophets wrote about him coming again later on. But they were talking about how that God himself would come to this earth in the form of a human being. And the first step would be to take all the sin of man, past, present, and future, on himself and pay for the sin. Whether it's a little sin or big sin, all sin would be paid for once and for all. So they were looking forward to him coming and God so wisely gave signs, we might say, prophecies, saying that, You'll know that he's coming because he would be born in Bethlehem. There were two Bethlehems, but he came the right Bethlehem. And when he came, he also said he'd be born of a virgin. It also said that his name would be called Emmanuel. It also said that when he would die, the first time coming, he would die before the destruction of the temple, which did occur in 70 AD. So now, here comes God in the form of Jesus Christ himself, Emmanuel. He's born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin who knew not a man. He was named Emmanuel at that time. All of that happened at that moment right there to show that he was who he claimed to be. So now we can look as scripture here and say if all that prophecy about Christ coming the first time was all fulfilled and there were dozens more than what I've just mentioned to you here and that he died and he died a crucifixion type death that was not known when it was described in the Old Testament until later on when the Phoenicians developed this we would know he came the first time now if the prophets are saying he's also going to come again then I have to believe that just as he honored his word coming exactly the way the prophets said that he would come because God prompted them to do that through the Holy Spirit to write that way that I can look forward to the Lord coming again so now we are looking forward to the Lord's coming now there are people today that will talk about the second coming of the Lord I would like to refer to the second coming of the Lord in really two phases but it is the Lord coming now, the first phase when he comes is when he comes and he meets us in the air. Some people say clouds. I'll just simply say the air, the clouds. It's not clear exactly were they the puffy clouds. or just clouds of people that are all going to be with him that know him as their savior. So he's going to come. So now look at the four words together. Here they are. You can mark them in your outline that you have in your worship folder. The first one is the word return. He is coming back again. 
And he's going to come for those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So let me ask you in this crowd here today, how many know for sure they would have eternal life? So would you raise your hand? How many are positive that if you're to die today, you'd go to hell? Would you raise your hand? Okay, you've got to pay attention now, all right? How many are positive you go to heaven? Would you raise your hand? All right, for you, then you can count on God saying in his word that he's going to come in the person of Christ for you. That would be called the rapture. All right, now we're going to call that the return of Christ. That's still the first phase. But when he comes, we then divide it up to number two and number three, and that's when it talks about the resurrection. It's at that time that there will be people who have trusted Christ as their Savior, but have died before Christ came back. So let me ask you, not if you've died already, but how many of you have loved ones who have trusted Christ as Savior? You're as, as sure as you can humanly be possible that they place their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sin and that they're going to heaven. How many of you have someone in your life that has done that and have passed away? Would you raise your hand? All right, for those people, that's the word resurrection. When Christ comes, he's going to resurrect them. Now let me pause. I, would, I don't have the time to re-preach that whole sermon. It is now, I'm told, on the internet, so you can download it for free. We don't charge for that. You can get the entire teacher version of the outline if you want it with all the verses. Get that. Number three is the rapture. That's a little different than the resurrection where those who are dead in Christ are resurrected. The rapture would be for those who already know Christ as their Savior that are alive. So it's a snatching away. So it's kind of like snatching you. Now when you snatch away, it's going to be a different body. You too, we will get, should we be alive when he comes back again. All right, that is then called the rapture. The fourth word, just one word, so you have the return, the resurrection, the rapture. The fourth word is the word reunion because it is a reunion. True, it'll be with all of us and our loved ones together with him in the air. But the reunion, as great as it's going to be with all of you whom I love dearly, I have to tell you, though, that we love the Lord even more. And I think that when we really love the Lord properly the most, then we can most accurately and effectively love other people properly. And so we have that great reunion. And I am looking forward to that reunion. Now, there are some signs that we know that he's going to be coming back. When Jesus was on the earth just before he left, he said, you know, when I leave, there's going to be tremendous earthquakes. He also said, when I leave until I come back again, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Now, some of you park on all the different wars there are between countries, and it's not wrong to do that because there are countries against countries, but actually it's an agitation between people against people groups. So you could even say there are riots. And we live now long enough, as I look over this size of crowd, that we've had riots that were way back, you know, decades ago. And there's riots today and there's riots happening even as I speak. Now, if you looked at that in Scripture, you're going to find that when Christ left, there were some earthquakes, some riots. But as the time has been lingering before the Lord does come back, the riots and rumors of wars are greater, the earthquakes are greater. And we also know that when he does come back, there's going to be a huge earthquake, a huge shaking up. There's going to be a huge war, eventually called the Battle of, starts with the letter A, everybody, Armageddon. That's great. You're tracking. So he's going to do that. So... Although I'm looking for the Lord, how will I know when he's coming? Well, I'll never know the day nor the hour, and that's what we say here. It's going to happen suddenly. It's going to happen so fast, it'll make our heads spin practically, but it's also going to happen certainly. Now, stay with me. I can look at certain events to know that it will happen. Since we've had two births in the last week or so, 10 days, we have another one that's going to happen any moment. It's not hard to tell when a lady is going to give birth. Um, you know, they, uh, because they have theirs more with, with them. All right, so you know what I'm trying to say. So they're going to show, you know, and a little bump here and then all the rest. Leave that alone. 
But for the, the lady who's carrying the child, besides having to let her clothes out and always asking her husband, do I look now? And the husband tries not to lie and say, you're prettier now than you've ever been. And she knows that's probably just a, you know, uh, an exaggeration. But anyway, what's happening here is that she knows. But in the Bible, it doesn't talk about so much the size of the lady, but it does talk about the birth pangs. And I'm glad that the Bible does that because it talks a little bit more about the pain, reminding us that in this world, we are going to have pain. And before the Lord comes back and we see the beauty of the Lord, they're going to go through a lot of pain. And I'm speaking to a crowd right now that's probably got pain that some of it could be so private, so personal that you would never share it publicly here. And that's not wrong. Some of that pain, the Bible says, you have to bear it by yourself. And some of it you share it and we bear it with you. But the good news is when Jesus comes back, whatever that pain is, emotional, social, relational, physical, financial, that birth pang will be over for you because the Lord will come. Now, going back to you sweet ladies again, I don't want to leave you in this looking stage, in this feeling stage. I do know this, that once you go through whatever that pain is, whether they give anesthesia to you or you decide to do it, you know, raw, however you do it, I want you to know the end of it all is this baby that you have. And you look at this little baby and how precious this baby is. And you know that this baby was in the mind of God first before that baby was ever placed in your womb by God's sovereign act. It had a beginning way before it even had a conception, let alone a birth. And so you have that joy. Now, after a short time, you begin to forget about those birth pangs because you're so in love with this little baby. Now, when that baby begins to grow, you know that baby does a lot of... I know I shouldn't say this. I'm going to get a letter from some of you. But the baby starts pooping and throwing up and all the stuff that babies do. Now, what does mothers do? They clean up that baby. Why? Because they love poop. No, they clean up the baby because they love the baby. They want that baby to have a good life. And whatever we do now in our world today, we don't go far on this thing. Stay where I'm tracking here. <laughs> whatever we do, we go through this world because we really love the Lord. Guys, for you, you men in here, do not feel like you're less of a man to say, I love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. Now, we've talked a little bit about our background about the Lord's coming, but I want to ask and answer a bigger question. How should this truth about the Lord coming back for us affect my life? Because it really should affect my life. If you had a baby in your family, you know that has changed your life. All you have to do is get a puppy and that changes your life, all right? Let alone a baby. So knowing that Christ is coming back, before he comes back, what kind of influence should that have on you? And so today I'm going to cover four main parts here. There's probably dozens and dozens we can go through. But if I could leave you with four so you could own those and go home with those and allow those to help change you because of that, I'll feel like our time today was invested and not wasted. So here's the first, and that is why I should not be surprised by it. I should not be surprised. That's why this church will talk about Christ coming back again telling you a little bit about the events and the benchmarks and the things that are out there from prophecy and maybe some of the stuff we read about in the newspaper to let you know Christ is coming back because we don't want you to be surprised. Would you look now as I read to you verses 1 through 5. You just follow along quietly as I read it to you. Here's what it says. Paul writing to this wonderful faith family in Thessalonica. He says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, referring to those that know Christ, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And the reason they should know that is because he already taught them. And that's why you want to go to a church that is teaching the second coming of Christ. And I'll talk about that in a moment. 
For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you like a thief in a night. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Well, the Lord didn't tell us, folks, when he's coming back. And that's okay. He's king of kings and lord of lords, and that's what makes him God, and he can do whatever he wants. But he did grace us by telling us that he is coming again. How many of you would feel very uncomfortable, sad, if you knew that a loved one was getting on an airplane, and I'm not talking about an airplane crashing, but that person never told you they're going to come back again? How would that make you feel? There's already enough pain when we watch our sweet military wives often say goodbye to their military husbands when they're deployed, or when a man has to stay back and watch his military wife go off into some abyss of military activity. And we know they're supposed to come back, and we don't, we don't always tell when exactly the day they're coming, but they're coming back. But yet in our heart, we often wonder, will they? And if they do come back, in what condition will they arrive? Don't you feel that for a moment? And I can't predict all that, but I can tell you this. The Lord says, I am coming back, and I'm choosing not to let you know exactly when I'm coming back. Now, I'm not going to spend my time shaking my finger at the Lord and say, why didn't you tell me? Because he's given me enough to do to occupy my life, my mind, and give me enough purpose and enough of himself here in me to make it until he does come back for me. And the same for you. So he might not tell me. Now, for some of you, you might come from a persuasion that you think in the terms of religion, and I'm using that as a very broad term, religion, that you think of, of life as a circle, that it kind of comes around, you know? And I understand that. I understand what comes around and goes around and all that. But, but in life, though, it's really not so much a circle. Life, really, according to the Bible, is really more like the book you have on your lap or the hymn book that's under your seat. When you open that book, books have a beginning, and of course they have the body of information, and then they have an end. When I have my Bible here, this Bible right here has a beginning. It's called Genesis, the beginning of man. And when you get down to Revelation, you end with man, and it's called eternity future. All right, so it has a beginning and end. Now, at the same time as I open this book, it not only has a beginning and end of information about man, it clearly tells me that with God's plan, it is not circular. It does have a beginning and an end. Now, it doesn't mean that we're, our end is going to be... No, our end is going to be... Listen, listen. Our end is going to be, and we shall dwell with the Lord forever. Amen? But there's going to be forever with the Lord and not we start over again. Now, come back to this passage. It's so rich. You'll see here in Romans chapter 13, verse 12. He says, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, I like that. When I think of thieves, most of the time thieves come at night, don't they? Now, I'm sure there's going to be always a thief that might come during the day. But in realism, uh, realistically, they do come during the night and not during the day. But for folks like you and me, when we know that he's going to come for us, that we live in the deeds of daytime, of light. We know he's coming back, but not like those who don't know that he's coming back. So why should I be surprised? I'm not going to be surprised. When the Lord shows up, I'm not, I'm not going to say, Lord, 
Why didn't you tell me you're coming? <laughs> you didn't tell me. If I'd have only known. How about you? Have you ever had someone come to your house unannounced and knock on your door? And you know you couldn't leave them out on the front porch. You had to invite them in. But you knew your house was kind of messy. Has that ever happened to you? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Some of you have dirty hands. I know you couldn't raise it. But in your heart you're saying, that's right. Okay, Carol, you and I, we're going to go on visitation. You laugh. I did do more visitation door to door, and I should do more now, and I don't. And you can relax, but I remember a time in my life we did do visitation. And we came to a house, and the man answered the door in his underwear. And his wife had, his, had her nightgown on. They sure needed to have more clothes on them, for sure. Well, God's telling us he's coming back. Now, it doesn't mean you have to wear clothes 24-7 and all that. But it does mean this, though. We want to have our house in order when he does come back because he could come back at any moment and should he come back this would be a conversation you'd love to have with your family on the way home don't talk about did he give a good message or not or did I do the right grammar or you agreed with that verse but not this verse what you want to talk to them about is this what would you like the Lord to find you doing when he comes back and let everybody talk about that if there was one thing that if the Lord came back now that you're doing, what would be that one thing you don't want to be doing when he comes back? And talk about that. And then together help each other navigate so that when he does come back, you've purified yourself with that hope. That's a good thought. It keeps me grounded anyway. So again, we talk about it. I should not be surprised when he comes back, folks. So don't be surprised. Number two, three positives now. I should be alert to his coming. I should be alert to his coming. Let's look now, if you will, back at 1 Thessalonians 5, and here's what you read. It says, Therefore let us, speaking about those who know Christ as Savior, not sleep as others do. Now we're not talking merely the siesta sleep. We're talking more of the ones that are in this stupor that's kind of asleep. A we don't really know what's going on as others do. But let us watch and be sober. Now, if it's your Bible, I'd like to suggest that you circle the words watch and sober, if you will, for just a moment. Then it says, for those who sleep, sleep at night. That means they're kind of unaware. We don't know what's going on. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. In other words, men love darkness rather than light. Most evil is done at night than it is during the day, although it's done 24-7. But it says, but let us, Christians again, who are of the day. In other words, we have the light of the glorious gospel within us. We have the light and the knowledge of Christ coming back again. Be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of hope of salvation. Now circle the word sober. So you have the word watch, sober, and then you have the word sober again. Twice in one passage, it talks about being sober. Now look again. I gave you another verse. We're going to go to Mark chapter 13. Paul told the Thessalonians to be sober and watch. Now Jesus says this, But of that day and hour, no one knows, meaning he's going to come back suddenly. But not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Now stop for a moment and look up here because I want to clarify this. Some of you, as you read that, you know that Jesus says, even the Son doesn't know when He's coming back again. That sense since the Son is coming back. And some of you say, well, if He's God, that must mean He's not God, and, and therefore He's less than God. And some of you now are going to park on that and say, see, Jesus isn't God because He doesn't know when He's coming back. Do you know that I agree with you if I left it just at that? That's a logical conclusion that any normal person would have. So I could see where you would come from that. But if you take it back and you really compared all the scripture together, here's what you're going to know. That when Jesus Christ 
came to this earth, and he was born and he grew up. He was all God, but he was also all man. He ate. He got hungry. He slept. All right? And so he, in his sovereignty, chose to limit himself in some areas. Now, there are certain things he does know beyond what a normal man would ever be able to know. That's when he took on the God part and chose to do that then. But his coming back again, for a reason that is only known to God, Jesus said even he did not know when he would come back again. So the question isn't, he didn't know if he's coming back. That's not it. He knew he's coming back. He spoke all about that. But he didn't know when he was coming back. And he left us in that situation as well. But stay with me. Go back to the same verse in Mark. It goes on to say this. This is where I really want to go. He says, even the Father, only the Father knows. So, therefore, you and me, Christians, take heed, watch, and pray. Circle the word take heed and the word watch and the word pray. For it says, for you do not know when the time is. So instead of me spending all my time reading sensational books written by some pretty good Bible guys out there on all the different things that are happening, trying to figure out when is the exact day he's coming back, I should spend more of my time abiding in the Word, allowing the Word to shape my attitude and my thinking, to make sure that I'm thinking and doing and speaking all that God wants me to do. And I'm going to let when he comes back be up to him because frankly, I don't care when he comes back in this sense. All he wants me to do is to live right, look forward to his soon coming, purify myself with this hope, and share the message with as many people as possible because he wants heaven populated. But his coming back, that's up to God the Father to reveal when that's going to happen. And it'll happen with an event, not so much just an announcement. Oh yeah, trumpet, archangel will shout, God will shout, all that. But there won't be all the verses that we're studying exactly when is it going to be. Now, we can talk more about that a little bit later. Let's go back to the passage here. Do you see how it says in 1 Thessalonians, watch? And then you see here again in Mark 13, it says watch. That's an interesting word, the word watch or wake. I don't know that they use this term in military much any longer, but they would often say if you're on sentry duty, you need to be on your watch. Well, they didn't mean just that you stay awake. There's a difference between staying awake and watching. I can be awake but I can miss some things. But if I'm watching, that means I'm anticipating something out there, an event, something's going to occur that God does not want me to miss. How many of you have ever done any form of whale watching before? Have you ever done that? I remember one time someone, when we first came to the island, said, boy, the best place to go is up to the lighthouse and look for whales. So Carol and I hiked all the way up to the white lighthouse. We waited hours and hours and hours. And either I don't know what a whale looks like or there was no whales there. But we looked and looked and looked and looked. Have you ever gone on a whale watch and not seen a whale? Would you raise your hand? Good. I'm glad there's others that are like that. Then there have been other times I've gone on a whale watch with an experienced whale watcher. Whatever that is. They just know how to spot them. Maybe it's the... And they know what it's going to do. How many times they say, Oh, there's one over there. And I'd look, there's one out there. And I'd look over there. I, 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 they're there. And then all of a sudden, I learned how to just spot that little puff way out near the horizon. And then I'd watch a little bit further and know that in a few minutes you're going to see it again just a little further down. And I began to see them. I could tell you that I've seen whales just sitting on the beach at Waikiki out there and people are spending, I don't know how much money to get on a boat to go see these things. Now here's my point. We can be awake and know that they're out there. We can be awake and actually be in the presence of them all. But unless we choose to watch and be alert to them happening. It's, gonna, it's not going to happen. 
Now, let me pause for a moment. Some of you might translate this into, okay, I have to watch for his coming. Again, he's going to come when he wants to come. I know that there's going to be a one-world church, one-world government, one-world religion, all this stuff. I know that's all happening before he comes and touches the earth after the tribulation. I know all of that. But God says, what you want to watch, though, is you want to be alert to the little foxes that come into your life that will spoil your vine. Those little things that's going to hinder your intimacy with the one who is going to come back for you. So he says, be sober and watch how important that is. I remember my mom and dad, when they were a little bit older and I was old enough to be left home alone with my sister. You're at that weird age. You leave them home for three or four hours, but you can't leave them home for long. And my mom and dad would go out on a Friday night. That was their date night. And uh, I think it was just to go shopping and get away from, because I'm such a, so anyway. <clears throat> this is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.